powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Okay, let's roll, dudes! And I'm going 10, 30, 65 in a 45 zone. Yo, why's my gas tank on E? Oh, and hello, officer. Wait, what? I'm losing my license. I'll lose my job. And here come the court costs. Oh, man, that's the thing about pedal to the metal, dude. You speed, you lose. Slow down. Driving is no game. A message from Virginia DMV. Hey, listen about it. We're going to get into tonight's leadership talk. Get something to take notes. It's going to be great. Tonight is going to be part two. And you mentioned it. It is Pastor Appreciation Month. And let me say this. Many pastors and leaders go, uh, especially through a month like this, and they feel very underappreciated. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you in this regard that uh, I, want to, I want to say this to you, whether you are part, whether I'm your bishop or not, I want to say this to you. You are appreciated. Never doubt the impact that you have in someone's life. Um, because you may not see the direct fruit of it, but the fruit remains. And uh, I was thinking, I gave a directive today to my administration to uh, find two teachers for me that were instrumental in my scholastic development when I was a kid. And uh, I gave um, that instruction to them because in 2019, uh, I am planning a day where I'm going to appreciate the people that helped make me, the people that helped to pour into me, the people that helped to shape and develop. And regardless of how small of what they thought it was, uh, it's had such a tremendous impact in my life today. One, her name, I'll tell you, uh, her name is Wilma Wilburn. She was the principal of Dunbar Elementary School uh, there in South Memphis, in Memphis, Tennessee, the Orange Mound neighborhood. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, when I was in school, you could still do, there was still, you could still, you know, there was no you know, detention and all that. It was, you went to the principal's office and you got a paddle. And, and so Miss Wilburn, she had a glass paddle and a wooden paddle. And you got the glass paddle if you did something real bad and you got the wooden paddle if you didn't. And, uh, and so uh, she was so instrumental in creating opportunities for me. When I was, you know, coming up, they created great opportunities for me. So I was the face of everything we did in the school. And, uh, and so I got used to the public uh, being in front of people. I got used to being in front of people. I got used to being in front of crowds. Smuckers, uh, Smuckers the company Smuckers for jellies and jams and all of that. They were doing the big promotion, and they were doing it uh, uh, with a lot of uh, schools that were in urban areas. And so you know, I became the spokesperson for Smuckers when I was a kid. And all of these opportunities were opened up by her and another teacher there, Mrs. Denton there, at Dunbar Elementary School. Now, what they don't know is that those seeds that they sowed uh, in me all those years ago, those seeds developed into something very significant many years later. And so every life now that is impacted, that has changed, the reason I'm used to being in front of people, used to be, I remember when we first went on TV, people said, oh, you're just so, you're natural. You know exactly what to do on TV. You know how to host. When I did Daystar and TBN and all of that, well, all of that started when I was a kid, and it was because of those opportunities 
never provided to me. I look at uh, my mother, a phenomenal woman who raised uh, who raised three wonderful children. That uh, so, so of course I'm to include myself in that wonderfulness. But uh, <laughs> but three one three kids that that love the Lord and serve the Lord, and I watched her overcome great obstacles. And so every life that's impacted because of my life, that fruit is attributed to her. Why am I saying that to you, pastors and leaders? I'm saying that to you because sometimes you can think, God, what is the benefit of all this? What's the benefit of this preaching? What's the benefit of caring about these people? What's the benefit of helping these people? And because you do not know the fruit that will remain on your account because of the investments you make in people, that you may never see it back directly. But years and years later, there may be benefit. All right, here you go. Let's get into tonight's leadership talk. Uh, I'm doing part two uh, of where we were last month, uh, and it was about seven stones, seven stones that every uh, leader needs, seven stones that every leader needs, part two. So let's pray again. We're going to jump in. We're going to get some good stuff tonight, and uh, then we'll go. Father, we honor you. Bless you, sir. Thank you for this time to pour into leaders. To help them go further, faster. This is our acceleration call tonight. That's our theme this year, acceleration, going further, faster. And so I pray that tonight the wisdom that's released, I pour into leaders tonight and pour into leaders even that are listening on our podcast. I pour into them believing that as the leader becomes better, so does the organization. The better the leader, the better the organization. So tonight... I pray that their lid would be lifted, that their logic would be lifted, so they can be everything you've ordained for them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I want to start here a bit and just give you a quick recap. If you didn't hear last month's part one of uh, Seven Stones Every Leader Needs, part one, I want to encourage you uh, to get that and, uh, and, uh, so that you are able to uh, know where we're at. In 1 Samuel seven twelve, it's talking about Samuel. It says, then Samuel... You know, Sammy is the man of God. He took a stone and set it up between Mitzpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Old King James says, Hitherto, the Lord has helped us. And they set up a stone, and every place they set up a stone, it was to commemorate uh, something that they learned. It was to commemorate a milestone. It was to commemorate a, uh, a particular place where significant achievements and accomplishments had happened. And sometimes, when you're going through life and when you're going through particularly ministry and leadership, um, we can forget to set the stones out because we're so busy working on the next thing. And I'm all about productivity, but one of the things that's also important is that in our productivity, we also make sure we keep a proper perspective. And to keep a proper perspective, it requires us to set the stone. And so these are seven stones that every uh, leader needs. See, here's the truth. Life is about decisions. And while we like to attribute everything that happens in our lives on God, we have to take self-assessments to determine things that we could have done better or looked at differently. And, uh, and so at the end of the day, uh, I gave you several statistics in part one that all echoed one another. They came from a variety of sources, but here's what they say. Over 1,700 pastors leave the ministry uh, every month. 4,000 new churches uh, each year, but 7,000 close. There's a net loss of 3,000 churches. The profession of pastor is near the bottom of most respected professions, just above car salesmen. 66% of church members expect a pastor and their family to live at a higher moral standard than themselves, which is a very misguided expectation because, uh, you know, have you ever looked at a hairdresser whose hair is not good or a nail tech whose nails aren't good or a doctor who is unhealthy or a lawyer that has legal problems? So it is a very disingenuous expectation to expect that people who are gifted and talented at helping you with your issue, that they won't necessarily deal with that same issue themselves. 
50% of pastors feel so discouraged that they would leave the ministry if they could, but they have no other way of making a living. 50% of the ministers or pastors starting out won't last five years. One out of 10 of every uh, pastor will actually retire as a pastor in some form. 70% of pastors constantly fight depression. 40% uh, report a serious conflict with a parishioner at least once a month or a member of the church at least once a month. 75% report significant stress-related crises at least once in their ministries. Doctors, lawyers, and clergy have the most problem with drug abuse, alcoholism, and suicide. And it's interesting because all of these jobs are about helping people. 85% of pastors said their greatest problem is that they're sick and tired of dealing with problem people. And 90% of pastors said that the hardest thing about ministry is dealing with uncooperative people. So it's my endeavor that through my transparency, uh, you'll be able to try up. And these are seven stones that, as I look over my years of ministry, that are places where I had to set and say, there's a lesson there that I have got to learn. There's a principle there that I've got to extract from. There's something there that I've got to connect with. And uh, I'm just going to hit the first ones that I gave you really quickly and get to the last, uh, the last three. I'll probably get to the last four and do the, um, the fourth again. <clears throat> the first one was I wouldn't be so ticklish. Um, you tickle somebody in order to get a response or a reaction. And sometimes when you are a leader or a pastor, you make insignificant people significant because you can sometimes subconsciously respond publicly to ignorant and uninformed criticism by people whose baseless opinions are of no value. And so sometimes we're too ticklish. We think we have to respond to everything. We think every negative comment that comes on social media, we have to respond to them and try to set them straight, give them a piece of our mind, rather than just blocking them. We think we got to respond to everybody who doesn't like the message. we got to make everybody who comes to your church make their families like you. No, don't be so ticklish. Number two, again, I'm going to hit these fast because these I hit in part one. Go listen to part one. Number two. I would have listened to Jesus' words more clearly. Matthew 10 and 6 says this, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, therefore be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. This lesson is really for senior spiritual leaders. This is really for senior pastors, senior leaders. It's a fact that people will suck you dry for encouragement, assistance, counsel, prayer, guidance, and then treat you like yesterday's trash. But Jesus gave us the approach we should have. He says, be as wise as a serpent. A serpent is a deceiver. He says, speak like a liar. And then watch this. And he says, consider the people that are around you. Consider them to be wolves. Now, this is powerful because many times, especially in church today, there's this word that people use a lot. It's this word community. And what community really means is I want to have the church not just to be a place where I go to get the word, which is what I'm supposed to go for, a place where I go to serve, which is what I'm supposed to go for, a place where I go to give of my time, talent, my thirst, treasure, testimony, and all those things, which is what I should do. But it also becomes a place where what we end up having uh, is that uh, I want to have another family. I want to, uh, I want to have uh, a, 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 uh, a place of community. I want to have a place of connectivity. What happens as a result is that we don't take Jesus' words very seriously. Jesus said, I want you to think like a liar and treat the people that are around you like they're wolves. That's what he told the people to do. Why is that significant? Because many times when you're a senior leader and when you're a leader in church, you do not take Jesus' words seriously, so you end up being harmed by people. You get bitten and they'll say, oh, my God, I didn't see that coming. You didn't see it coming because you treated the people like community, not wolves. Jesus didn't say 
treat the people like community, treat the people like family. I'm not saying that, they're, that you shouldn't do that, but I would have taken Jesus' words more carefully. I learned last week that I have been misquoting the late Dr. Maya Angelou. I've been misquoting something she said. Here's what I thought she said. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. I didn't know until last week I was misquoting her because I was unaware that there were three words that I missed in the quote. Here's what she actually said. When people show you who they are, believe them. Watch what she said the first time. Oftentimes in ministry, in business, in life, because maybe you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're not a pastor, maybe you're a business person, maybe you're a leader that's not a senior leader. Oftentimes when someone growls at you, and snarls at you and shows you that they are a wolf, you treat them like community. <laughs> you treat them like family, when really what you should do is take Jesus' words more seriously. The third stone, every stone, seven stones every leader needs, is I would have quit the rescue rangers. And I talked a lot about this in part one, because when I make the commitment to care for people and love for people in any capacity, I really mean it. You know, you would have balled up a $100 bill right now, step on it, spit on it, put, put all kind of, you know, uh, chemicals on it or what have you. If you unfold it, it's still a $100 bill. It's still something of value. And here's what you need to know. Every leader will have people walk away from them no matter how good you treat them, no matter how well you love them, no matter how good you speak life into them. Even Jesus experienced this. Judas, Peter, and Thomas all had the same leader. But after all of that, the reality is, is that between Judas and John, only John recognized Jesus' value. You cannot say Jesus wasn't a great leader because Judas didn't recognize that. But oftentimes in ministry, you will diminish the value of your leadership because of the inability of somebody to operate in proper fellowship. I'm going to say it again. You will diminish the value of your leadership because of somebody's inability to operate in proper fellowship. So what happens is you'll say, these people walked away from me. This person did this to me. I can't believe this happened. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Well, if even Jesus, who's perfect, you can't get a better bishop, a better pastor, a better spiritual father. You can't get better than God. But even God experienced this. Only John recognized the value of Jesus, and guess what? That's why John got a revelation, the book of Revelation, Apocalypto in the Greek. John was able to get a level of revelation that exceeded his counterparts because John could be trusted because John recognized the value that Jesus was. Sometimes the people who walk away are only walking away because they don't have the ability to recognize the value that you are. Every leader, I want you to write this down. If you're not writing, I want you to type it. Every leader, type this down. I am valuable because I add value. I want you to write that down, everybody. I am valuable because I add value. Don't you dare attach your value to the people who walked out. Don't you dare attach your value to the people who didn't recognize your value. Whenever you add value to people, there is where the source of your value comes from. And as a leader, you're preaching to people, you're encouraging people, you're building people up, you're speaking life to people, you're praying for people, you are adding value. And so guess what? That's what gives you value. And at the end of the day, literally, I talk about this in part one, literally cumulative weeks and months and years that you can sometimes seem that uh, you wasted in humanity with people, but in divinity, it's really seed that sown. Don't look at anybody that's no longer with you as it was a waste. Look at it as it was a seed that was sown. You didn't waste anything. You sowed it. And here's the fact. I tried to help and rescue too many people 
uh, uh, when sometimes you have to be like a waterfall. You're trying to be, you know, Captain Save Everybody. You can't do that. Sometimes it's the waterfall effect. Sometimes the reason people don't recognize your value is because they're too close to it. And sometimes what you have to do as a leader is learn how to cycle people in and cycle people out. It's called the waterfall effect. Sometimes when people are too close to you, they no longer, it's kind of like if you remember the old malls, most malls now don't have big waterfalls, but if you remember, uh, you know, in the 90s and the early 2000s, most malls had a lot of waterfalls. And before that, of course, had a lot of waterfalls. And if you notice, in the waterfall, everything that's right next to the source of the water, it doesn't get wet because it's too close to the spigot. It has to move, be moved further out from the waterfall so that uh, it, it's able to get wet. You're catching the principle? Sometimes you've got to cycle people in, cycle them out. Sometimes you've got to pull a group close to you and send another group out. Sometimes you've got to change who's close and change who's out, and you've got to pull them in and go through cycles so that they can recognize value. People will forget that you walk with them and love them and didn't judge them, held them when they cried, helped them get past their loved ones passing. And the truth is that hurts. One of the reasons I like being real, because I think one of the reasons why 1,700 pastors quit the ministry every month is because they have learned to be so fake and not be real that what happens is they begin deteriorating from the inside out. They're always trying to show their strength to who they lead. And here's what I discovered. Great leaders, listen to me, leaders, great leaders realize that their strength is actually in their ability to recognize their weaknesses. And great leaders recognize that me pretending like I am Superman is not going to help you, nor does it, does, it, does it further the advancement of our organization. Instead, when I'm able to be real about the fact that there are things that hurt, there are things that hurt as a leader, but I also have to realize that I can only grow to the threshold of my pain. Leaders can never grow beyond the threshold of pain that they have. Wherever your pain stops, that's also where your growth stops. So you have to learn to have a high pain tolerance, but let's just tell the truth. It hurts. It can hurt. And I talked a little bit about that in more detail last week. Here was number four. I wouldn't have left anything unsaid that needed to be said. I said again, I wouldn't have left anything unsaid that needed to be said. And uh, I talked about in Job chapter 14 and 5, it says, Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, you, can, you have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. At the end of the day, uh, sometimes the things that we leave unsaid as leaders can be very small things, things like good job or I appreciate you or I love you or I'm here for you, or thank you, especially in a month like this where it's Past Appreciation Month, and you are not a senior pastor, you need to make sure that you're showing your senior pastor love. If you are uh, uh, a pastor and you have a bishop, you show them love. If I'm your bishop, show me some love. Um, And I'm not saying that to be self-serving or self-aggrandizing. I'm saying it for this reason, because at the end of the day, there's many times in life where we leave things unsaid because we live life like it doesn't have an expiration date. Here's the trip. You are counting up every time you have a birthday. Heaven is counting down. The Bible says your days are numbered. So I want to ask you a question, leaders. Are you living life mindful of the fact that your days will end? Now, I'm not saying this to be spooky. I'm not saying this to be scary. I'm not saying this to be overly dramatic. But at the end of the day, most leaders leave a whole lot unsaid and stuffed up in them that they need to say. Maybe it's in forgiving somebody. Maybe it's in encouraging somebody. Maybe 
It is in a message that you were afraid to preach that you need to preach. Maybe it is in engaging with uh, uh, some folks that are your relatives and family. There's a difference between the two, but I don't have time to jump into that. At the end of the day, never leave anything unsaid as a leader. And so I learned this principle that if there's something I want to say, I say it, especially, especially if it's something to speak life into someone, I make sure that I do not leave things unsaid. And I learned that principle because for years there were things I didn't say because I said, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. I don't want to deal with that. I'll deal with that later. And I learned one of those stones I needed to never leave anything unsaid. Every leader needs to have the ability to have tough conversations and terrific conversations. That's important. This is our leadership talk tonight, everybody. Here's number five. Here's number five. You ready for this? I wouldn't try to reason with fools. I wouldn't try to reason with fools. Now, a fool, by definition in the scripture, is one who lives like there is no God. I did a whole series on it called Quit Acting Like a Fool. You can get it on our YouTube channel, our podcast. And as a leader, one of the things that I used to waste my time doing is trying to reason with fools. Now, remember, since I have to live my life, watch this, leaders, and since I have to live my life, knowing that my time and my days are numbered, since I live my life knowing that my days are numbered, then I don't have time to waste. Why? Because every time I'm trying to reason with a fool, I'm literally wasting my days. And here's the trip. You don't know when the end of days comes. You don't know when your number's going to come. Heaven says, based on what we've sent you to the earth to do, this is how much time you need. This is how much time you have. You see that all throughout the Bible. So I wouldn't have wasted time uh, 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 trying to reason with fools. I wouldn't try to do it. This is somebody who lives as if there is no God. Even A person can even be a Christian. Here's Proverbs 1 and 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, watch this, despise wisdom and instruction. One of the marks of a fool, uh, someone who lives as if there is no God, is that when you give them wisdom, they despise it. They don't want to hear it. They, they think they know everything. They're, I call them a know-nothing, know-it-all. They think they know everything, think they got everything figured out. Uh, they don't come to you to ask you. They come to you to tell you. They don't come to you to inquire. They come to inform. And so I learned a long time ago that if I see someone who is despising wisdom and who is despising my instruction, don't try to reason with them. I spent too many years trying to reason with people to try to stop them from going down a bad path in life. Because at Harvest Church, you've heard me tell the story probably now many times, but it's important to know because if you don't have the context of your conquering, you will sometimes feel like you haven't done anything significant. Colorado's 46 out of 50 for church attendance in the nation. And uh, the state is only 4% African-American, so Harvest is multicultural, it's multigenerational, God gets all the glory. That means you reach a lot of unchurched and a lot of de-churched people, and but which that's phenomenal uh, in many ways, to be quite frank with you. One of the other things that I discovered in all of that, uh, one of the other things that I discovered in all of that is this, is that whenever you are trying to reach people who do not understand the value of instruction, sometimes they will take it very lightly. And so I would stop reasoning with folks. I would sit up and have all kind of interventions. And leaders, you know what I'm talking about. I'd have all kind of interventions. I'd have all kind of meetings, all kind of discussions. Let me help you. No, son, don't do it that way. No, daughter, don't do that. No, look at it this way. Be careful. That's a bad relationship. I'm telling you this. And then I realized, you know what? If they're not listening and valuing what I'm saying, I'm just going to stop talking. 
Stop talking. You don't try to reason with a fool. And this is so prevalent today on social media. It's so funny today when someone uh, did a social media post talking about our V logo, and they were trying to suggest that somehow that the logo, we made the logo with some type of satanic inference. And I thought, wow, what a fool. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I said, it's a V. The name of our church is Harvest. It's a V with a cross in the middle that also looks like a sword, <laughs> the sword of the word, and the cross, obviously, for Jesus. I said, what in the world is the person talking about? Said, and so here was the point. There was no need to reason with that person because they had already deduced in their mind that they saw something that they wanted to see. So there was no need to try to reason with that person. Leaders, you spend a lot of time trying to reason with people and the individuals that you ought not. Don't try to reason with a fool, and a fool can even be a Christian. Here's the next thing. Number six, I wouldn't make too big of a deal of betrayal and disappointment in people. I wouldn't make too big of a deal of betrayal and disappointment in people. You know, I thought, and, and all of these points, all of these stones really connect together. I thought that if I was really, really good to people and really, really loving and really, really fatherly and really, really paternal and really, really almost, and all those things I still am. But I thought if I did all those things, I said, well, certainly people wouldn't betray me. Well, guess what? It still happened. Certainly people wouldn't disappoint me. Guess what? It happened. I thought people meant when they said, I love you, I loved you. I had to learn that sometimes, especially in ministry, in Christian ministry, people say, I love you. And really what they're saying is, I love what you do for me. And so many pastors and leaders have had their hearts broken by people who said, I love you, but you, 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 you made a big deal out of it because when you heard, I love you, 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 you really didn't understand they were saying, I love what you do for me. I thought that if I did right by people, people would always do right by me. That's not true. In ministry, you often know the best of people and the worst of people at the same time. I thought that others would treat commitment the same way I did. I am, when I jump into something, I jump in 100, not 100%. I jump in 150%. I go above and beyond. I do uh, exceedingly. I want to make sure that I do a great job. I want to make sure that no one can ever say I didn't go above and beyond. And so I wouldn't make too big of a deal of it. And for, for many times, I make a big deal about it. I mean, I'd meet with leaders and have discussions and what happened and this and that, and you try to have, well, why did they do this? Let's go try to get them and all of that. And here's the reality. I made too big of a deal about it. Those leaders that are listening to this right now, you're making too big of a deal about your betrayal and disappointment with people because every conversation you have is about your disappointment. Every conversation you have is about your betrayal. And I want to encourage you, don't make a big deal about it. Um, and here's the real deal you can do. Keep your standards high but make sure your expectations are realistic for people. I'm going to say that again, because remember, this is a leadership talk. This isn't me really preaching at you. This is a leadership talk. I want to give you principles. I want to give you meat so you can go to. You're a leader. You don't need cookies. You don't need cornflakes. You don't need high cards. Right? You're a leader. So because you're a leader, I want to give you some meat so you can go to it. Keep your standards high. Be a person of excellence. Be a woman of excellence. Be a man of excellence. Be a leader. It has a standard of excellence. But also realize when you're sometimes dealing with people who just can't deliver. That way you mitigate your expectation that you have properly placed those people in your, in your organization. If somebody can't type, then guess what? You shouldn't expect that they're going to do a good job as an administrator for you. Come on, I'm just praying that the Lord does. No, 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 no. Keep your standard high. Set that expectation right. If somebody proves they're unfaithful, the Bible says faithfulness or Trust in an unfaithful man is like a tooth, uh, uh, it's like a decaying tooth and a foot that's out of joint. 
In other words, the Bible says it's going to create pain. Y'all know dental pain can be some of the worst pain you experience. So once you see that a person can't deliver something, you have to modify your expectations of that person. Keep your standard high, though. See, I used to make a big deal about that, about betrayal and about disappointment, not realizing many times I didn't make the, need to make a big deal about it. Instead, what I needed to do was simply learn so that I can live better. As leaders, here's our process of life. Live, learn, live better. Watch it. Lead, learn, lead better. That's leadership. You're not going to get it right all the time. You're going to make mistakes. Here's the last stone, everybody. We're done with our talk for tonight. And I know that it is spoken life and If you missed part one, I want you to go back and get it. Seven stones that every leader needs. These are principles. I'm just going to be honest with you. I wish somebody would have told me. It would have literally saved me time, tears, trouble, treasure. It would have saved me a whole lot had someone given me these principles. Because in school and ministry, they teach you, the Bible, they teach you how to exegete the text, you know, depending on what you may have gone through or with, you know, you may be prophetic. They'll teach you how to, you know, tap into the prophetic. They'll teach you how to maximize your gift. But often what they don't teach you are these seven stones. These are seven stones about dealing with people. You can be incredibly gifted prophetically but not know how to deal with people. You can be gifted pastorally and not know how to deal with people. You can be gifted apostolically and not know how to act around people. And so the reason these seven stones are so important, because guess what? The most important part of what you do every day is going to be how you deal with people. That's the business you're in when you're a church leader, when you're a business leader, when you're an entrepreneur, you're in the business of people. I don't care if you sell tacos. Ultimately, people buy tacos. Tacos don't sell themselves. So you're in the business of people. And if you don't know how to deal with people, you're going to walk around as a bitter, angry, cantankerous leader, and you don't want to be that way. Here's the last one. I'd listen closer. I'd listen closer. I'm going to say it again. I'd listen closer. Many times when we're interacting with people, we don't listen to what they say. Here's what we do. We hear what we want to believe. I'm going to say it again. Many times in interacting with people, We do not listen to what they say. Instead, what we do is we hear what we want to believe. A lot of the time, some of the challenges we face with people is not because they didn't tell us everything up front. It's simply because we heard what we wanted to believe while they were telling us. You see this throughout your organization, throughout your ministry. If you've ever led anything, you will often see where people, uh, you didn't listen closely to what they said. They told you everything you needed to know up front. I have this rule, and I'm going to share it with you. Um, this is important, especially if you interact with me a lot. This is important. Uh, and this is an important thing that I think you should also consider using in your daily walk. Here it is, leaders. Here's the principle. It says this, is that there's one thing I'm sure about, and that's that I don't want anybody around me that's not sure they want to be there. There's one thing I'm sure about. And that's that I don't want anybody around me uh, that's not sure they want to be there. Sometimes, uh, and, and here's really the practical implementation of that. Uh, sometimes you will have people who say, you know, I'm not really sure if I want to do this. I'm not really sure if I want to serve over here. I'm not really sure if I want to be a part of this or do this or do that. Or, or they'll say, you know what, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I want to quit. I want to do this. I want to do that. And you know what our pre- predilection to do sometimes in leader is? Is talk people into what we know is good for them. Talk people into, you know what, I know you'd be great over prayer. Well, I don't really want to do prayer. I don't, you know what, I know you'd be great 
uh, doing this. I don't really want to do that. And, and from building businesses and building ministries, here's what I've learned, is that listen closely because people will tell you everything you need to know. So whenever somebody says to me, well, I, I don't know if I want to do it, here's what, my mind, here's what I immediately do. Great. We're done. We're done with that. And the reason we're done with that is because what I don't want to do is you're gonna, if you're wishy-washy now, you're going to be wishy-washy later. And there's nothing worse then you being solid, being connected to somebody wishy-washy. Because what you're going to do is you're going to invest a lot of time and energy. And here's the two. Most people who are like that are going to come right around to that. Today I was even having a conversation uh, with uh, an individual about a particular subject, and I said, listen, uh, in order for me to do that, I need you to commit to doing this. Because for me to do that, I'm going to need this to be done this way. And as we were speaking the individual, I said, so, you know, can you do that? Uh, yes, 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 yes. And I didn't, they didn't sound too sure. They didn't sound too sure. And then, you know, I went through a couple more things, and at the end of the conversation, I said, okay, so what are you going to do? Well, let me think. And, and here's what I immediately knew. That's, there's no path forward there. I said, there's no path forward there because I just listened to you tell me that you're not sure whether or not you want to do that, which means what you asked me for, and what I asked you for, you're, you're not ready to make, you're not ready to do it that way. So because you're not ready to do it that way, that's okay, but I just listen closely to you. It happens every day. Listen closely. People are always telling you everything you need to know as a leader. Listen, everybody, that's some real practical stuff um, as it relates to leadership. I'm excited. We're going to talk prophetic. We're going to talk apostolic. We're going to talk the glory of God. We're going to talk miracles. We're going to talk so much in our leadership talks to come. But today, uh, part two of seven stones every leader needs. I hope you go back and listen to part one. I also hope you listen to part two. This will be available on replay for both our conference call as well as on our podcast. Again, if you want to give and to sow, you can do that. So many ways to give. You can find them all at harvestchurch.church forward slash give or text harvest at the 59769 to get our free mobile app, and you can access the app that way. And I just know that you're going to be blessed. Listen, gave you some meat, gave you some nuggets tonight. Go chew on this and uh, let it speak life into your life. These are the things I promise you I wish somebody would have told me. Had somebody told me this, I would have saved myself so much time and energy. And, uh, but here's the beauty of it is now that you know better, you can do better. We lead. We learn, then we lead better. Seven stones every leader needs. Listen, leaders, have a great night. I've enjoyed spending this time with you, imparting into you, speaking life into your life. Do me a favor. On our podcast, would you leave a positive review because it helps us to reach more people through the Leadership Podcast and also, of course, through our messages, the life-giving messages. There's so many great ways uh, and great messages in there that uh, will bless you. Leave us a positive review. Let us know that you've been blessed by that. We'd appreciate that so much. Have a great night, leaders. I've enjoyed this time pouring into you. Again, remember everything we've talked about, our dates, all of that. We'll be texting you updates. We'll be sending you emails with everything. I'm so glad that we're connected for this call and just so glad about our future. Father, I pray acceleration for everybody under the sound of my voice now. In Jesus' name, amen. So long, everybody. Have a phenomenal night. Hey, listen, go further. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.